podcast. How are you? Very good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's amazing. Um, so we know you because you're a fellow parishioner at St. John of Arc. Uh, we see you almost every Sunday. Um, yep. We were in a men's group together. And uh, we would we, religious education classes for parents every Wednesday for the last, I don't know how many months. But, you know, for That's those right. who are listening at home that don't know who Dr. Gary Kirkless, sorry, I'm very used to just calling you Gary, but Dr. Gary Kirkless. That's yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, where are you originally from? Are you cradle Catholic convert? What's your state of life? How did you end up in Phoenix? All that fun stuff. Yeah, so um, uh, probably like most uh, Arizonians, I am uh, not native to here. I'm from the Chicagoland area, um, lived there my whole life. Um, and then uh, right around like 22, 23, went to medical school uh, in Northern California. Um, interestingly, I went to a medical school. It was It's uh, Toro University. It is a uh, Orthodox Jewish medical school. So uh, okay. not that you have to be Jewish, obviously, to attend, um, <laughs> but uh, it was run by uh, by by uh, its Jewish organization it has its own rabbi. Um, and that was kind of an interesting um, flavor to a medical school because, um, you know, a lot of the Jewish law, there's like very specific rules about where um, what holidays you can practice. Mm -hmm. um, classes always ended on, on Fridays at three for Shabbat. Um, there were no there parties Friday about, night. No party. Everything closed on like libraries, everything like, you know, <clears throat> lock, stock it out, uh, which is, was kind of cool. I mean, I, not that I am Jewish, but um, it was kind of an interesting kind of feel of going to medical school and, and following those rules. Additionally, one of the other thing that was kind of neat was um, in, in Jewish law, as I understand, uh, you cannot mix dead air with live air, meaning that at a, at a medical school, you have about 45 cadavers uh, for anatomy class. And so uh, the rabbi that lives on campus can't be mixing dead air with live air. Um, so we had this really cool system where you, before you would go as a medical student, before you would go into the cadaver lab, you'd go into this little smaller room, all the air would be sucked out, and then you would go into the actual cadaver lab. Um, and that mm. itself had a really big, um, really neat uh, filtration system. So that was, it was just kind of an interesting experience. But did four years there and then moved to uh, Southern California to Loma Linda. Uh, did my, res my residency there for three years. Um, that was a Seventh-day Adventist uh, <laughs> hospital system. <laughs> and uh, it had its own interesting flavors, you know. Um, Again, they, they, they celebrate uh, the Sabbath, the true Sabbath on Saturday, right? Um, and so, yeah, all the elevators would, you know, like stop at every floor so you wouldn't have to press a button, um, you know, being work. Um, and wow. And the, the cafeteria, yeah, the cafeteria was, you know, uh, it was kosher. Um, no meat, actually, too, because they, they are vegetarians. Um, so that was kind of interesting, too. Um, always getting a different flavor of uh, different faiths. Um, and then uh, practiced uh, medicine there for a while. And then uh, my wife actually is a pediatrician herself, and she um, uh, got a fellowship here in Phoenix. So I followed her. Obviously, we're married. Um, that's how I ended up in, in Phoenix. As far as my faith life, yes, I've been always been a cradle Catholic um, growing up. So never left the faith, unfortunately. You know, um, I was today years old when I realized what the Seventh-day Adventists practices are. I did not know that they... Are they like a like a branch of Judaism that it's, it's split up? 
Yeah, from what I understand, they're the closest to being Jewish while still being Christian. Oh, Oh, wow. Yeah, so practice the Sabbath, the true Sabbath on Saturday. Um, Yeah, no work. They take it very seriously. Yeah, no pushing buttons. That's it. (laughs) Well, that's... Yeah. uh, Well, that's great. And and, uh, I mean, we're... I think we we met it right when you moved in 2017, like five years ago. 2015, 2015 I, I moved to Phoenix. Um, but uh, when when was uh, Gustavo? When was Estovir a, a thing, Joan of Arc? 2016. It must have been around the same. Because um, yeah, it was like, oh, who's this Jesus-looking guy that is going to be in my men's group? <laughs> um, but uh, but okay. So you said that you're you're a pediatrician, but you have like a very mm-hmm. particular or peculiar, I should say, mission, um, which is part of your job description includes driving a 40-foot mobile medical unit to provide free healthcare to homeless families. Like, yes. Wow. That, that's, thank you for, for that. That's That job is, is, seems like very, very necessary. Um, but I have to ask, did you have experience driving RVs before you took this job? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> that was something that's like, hey, you're gonna have to drive that that thing. Can you can you yeah. do that? Yeah, no, I know. I thought that too. I thought for sure I'd have to have like a CDL, a commercial driver's license. But mm-hmm. uh, apparently, like the length and the weight of this RV are, are such that I don't actually need a CDL. I there do have, go. yeah, I do have to have my. Um, I, took, I took a yearly physical and. Know, past like vision tests and, and things like that but fortunately no i don't uh, i don't have to okay but it's definitely different than driving a minivan i'm sure yes <laughs> yes yeah at, at 42 i do that as well i do drive my my our minivan but yeah at 42 feet it's uh, it's something else um like making left and right turns you kind of forget in your car you just you just make a left and right turn but when you yeah. have you know 42 feet of uh, a vehicle behind you yeah uh uh, I, I can't say I've never had an accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Hopefully, there was nobody in to the yeah, good yeah, story. Need a treatment, right? Yeah, no, it's always been uh, stationary objects, which I guess is okay. good, but maybe bad because it's a stationary object, and I should have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, okay. So, um, was this something that was when when you? joined the hospital that you're currently working on that you have to do this with the with the mobile medical unit was that part of the job description or or what yes okay so it's like this is what you're going to be doing yeah yes yeah and that's actually why what kind of kind of drew me to it before i worked uh with this mobile medical unit i was in an urgent care system in california and i was just it was just like um just like very exhausting just churning out patients i would see like 30 patients every night i worked like from 1 p.m to 9 p.m mm-hmm. and it was like assembly line medicine just you know people would come in every 15 every patient got 15 mm-hmm. minutes um and it, it, several would get uh double booking so I, I have to move a patient in seven and a half minutes so if you, oh, if, you can wow. ima- if you can imagine that like seven and a half minutes to introduce myself get a history do an exam give a diagnosis and get the patient out the door and then move on to the next one so um, yeah um, I, I was kind of ready for it yeah, I was ready for a change at that point. But yeah, the the, the position opened. I, I was kind of I was really wowed by it. I had always um, always been drawn to like homeless care, like in um, 
in residency and in medical school, I had always volunteered at like homeless clinics. Um, and, and in Chicago, even before I even went to medical school, I was volunteering at like homeless clinics. Um, always felt very at ease there. Um, like the fact that, you know, if it wasn't for me and the team providing care, these, these individuals would have no access to care. Um, and then to like a, like a more like um, mission level, um, it's, it's a way for me to live out my faith, uh, to be able to provide um, care and compassion to less fortunate, to, mm-hmm. um, to see others as Jesus, to ha- act a little like Jesus myself, um, giving of myself. Um, it's a great opportunity. So when it's to, when this opportunity came up uh, in Phoenix, I was like, wow, this exists. I had no idea this was even a thing. Um, so yeah, I jumped on it and been there since 2015. You give that look at everybody like Jesus sent them in a whole new meaning, by the way. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, every once in a while, I, I shouldn't admit this, but every once in a while, a patient will come in and they're like, yeah, we saw the doctor and he, he prescribed us something, but the pharmacy, there was a mess up and I don't, we didn't get the medicine. And they're like, well, who did you see? I don't know, but he looks like Jesus. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, so. you, do you ever get a patient that's like, not yet, not yet. I was like, oh my goodness, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, yeah. Hey, sorry, can we pause? Yeah, when I, Sorry to stop you in the middle of a sentence. Can, can you turn on the light behind you? There we go. Thank you. No, that one. That, that one's, one's better. better. Yeah, that one's good. Yeah, you're good. Because cool. um, yeah, it's started to get uh, the sun is going down. And, a little know, dark. Mm-hmm. We want people to be able to see that you actually look like Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, sorry. Um, so people say the, the the doctor that looks like Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. That is hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. so funny. And, and and do the pharmacists know? Like, oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Dr. Gary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, I was going through your Twitter uh, feed, and I was cracking up because of this gift that they gave you for Dr. Appreciation Day. Uh, it was a scented yes. candle that said, Dr. Gary's last nerve. Oh, look, it's on fire. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's like the, yeah, part of it. Do you have right. a reputation of like uh, having a temper no. at work? Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Um, no, no, uh, no, uh, Peter, uh, fiery personality for okay. me. Um, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, it, it, you know, working in this sort of uh, environment where um, you're constantly dealing with, with homeless families and hearing the worst social situations like abuse, mental illness. Uh, substance use mm-hmm. and just like outright sad things you, you you have to lighten it up by doing stuff like that you know like um for example i might walk into my office and everything everything in my office is tinfoiled or <laughs> saran wrapped um, <laughs> at the end of the day i might find my car keys uh, frozen in a block of ice you know like and that oh there you go that stuff you ha- like it's like you almost it's like therapeutic you have to you have to do that kind of stuff because otherwise it's just like if you hear eight hours a day of like kids that are just have yeah. like the worst case or the worst go at life it, it gets pretty depressing quick so yeah well that's good that you get liven it up i, I mean um, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better because of in my previous gig um with software engineers we would do that a lot there was one time um, our boss said that he was going to um, give up soda for Lent. And one of these guys uh, in my team just 
took like, I don't know, six or seven 24 packs of Coke and put cans of Coke all over his desk. Like, and that's like one of the light ones. There was the tin foil is one I like uh, gift wrapped someone's desk for their birthday. Good times. Uh, Jim, Jim style. Yeah. Like I didn't get to do the stapler in the jello bowl, but. Uh, I, I did do the cell phone in the ceiling once. The cell what? phone in the ceiling? Yeah. Dude. Is, how do you do that? It's from the office. Is when uh, Jim hides Andy's cell phone in the ceiling because it has this really annoying ring, <laughs> which is Andy singing a cappella, and they just throw he just throws it in the ceiling and then calls it, and Andy doesn't know where it is. So I did that to a coworker once because he had the loudest ringtone ever, like too like loud. The volume. So I was just like the volume was just loud and annoying. So I was just like, eh, I'm just gonna do it. It's it's a really good friend, so he took it in good spirits. He didn't punch a wall or anything. Uh, yeah, that's good. Because I would be like, you, just, you must have been really close to this person. If not, that would have been like, <laughs> could have gone south very fast. Um, okay, so that's good. It, it keeps things uh, from getting to, but I mean, it's probably better than the, the, the ER and because... You do a pediatrics ER that has to be, there's always going to be like a, a degree of sadness because you're dealing with sick kids. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, uh, you know, everyone has their weeks and streaks. Um, for me, I, I can, I can weather social problems, um, better than I can handle like, tr like true medical acuity. So like, for example, my wife, when she's in the emergency room, you know, she'll come back home and she'll say, yeah, I just saw a kid that was beaten to death by their their oh. parent that was on substances um i can't that would be that'd be like game over for me um, yeah. for me for me i can handle oh um dad's incarcerated mom is a meth addict um kid barely gets one meal a day and none of his none of his like you know basic medical needs and health needs are being met i can handle that because yeah. i can i can almost like kind of like see it's like i don't know in my mind i could see you know there's a breakdown in the family um things aren't going right. This is what happens. But when I see like, you know, stabbings or car accidents, it's for me, it doesn't make sense. Like why this, why this is happening or yeah. You know, so making yeah. sense of evil, which yeah. is very present in the world. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, you, you've been doing that since 2015. And, um, so how does it work? You drive the, um, the mobile unit to like, uh, homeless, uh, not centers, what I want to say, shelters. Shelter, thank you. That's mm -hmm. the word that I was looking for. Is that how it works? Yes. Yeah, so I would say the majority of our sites are um, sites where we drive the mobile medical unit to like a homeless shelter, which would be defined as a place where a family lives. Um, mm -hmm. We also have uh, group homes. So a group home is defined as a place where a, you know, like a 16 to 24 year old individual who is now homeless um, or uh, is on the streets or was in DCS and DCS didn't, uh, Department of Child Safety didn't work out. And then they get placed in a group home, which is like essentially dorm style living. There might be a social worker that makes sure that they're going to school or work. Um, 
We also have drop-in sites, which would be defined as a place where uh, like a soup kitchen, like no one lives there, but maybe they might go there. So we'll bring the mobile yeah. units to places like that. We'll also bring the mobile units to schools, um, like you know, for example, um, St. Matthew's School um, in, in Central Phoenix. Um, we bring the mobile unit there um, on Tuesday mornings. Um, and then that, mm -hmm. that makes sense because uh, our mission is homelessness or at risk for homelessness. Um, so uh, a lot of those families are undocumented. A lot of those families are multiple families living in the same home. If someone were to, you know, like lose their job, suddenly there's, you know, like a multi-generational family that's now homeless or living in a car. So we'll go to places like that too. Got it. Got it. Um, and then we also have fixed sites, meaning that we'll, for example, uh, the Phoenix Dream Center is a place where uh, a lot of the girls have been sex trafficked. We'll have a site inside there. Um, so, or we like um, child uh, Ch children's first leadership academy, another elementary school, a secular school. Um, they, we have a clinic inside of there. So those the, some mm -hmm. some places we have actual clinics inside. Some places we're just bringing the mobile units um, to there. Got it. Wow. Man, that is a lot <laughs> that I didn't know that existed in in Phoenix. Do, do you have like a uh, like a number or like some idea of like, is there a big homeless population in the Phoenix metro yes. area? Yeah. Yes. And it, yes. And it's, it's been steadily increasing. Um, I don't have the, the numbers in front of me, but yeah, it's, uh, they do these things called uh, pit counts. So point in time, they pick one day a year uh, where they send out volunteers and they just get a number of, and it's not exact because they only have a limited number of, of, of people to get these but they'll, they'll just go out and they'll go to like underneath the freeways they'll go to like the shelters themselves they'll go to parks and they'll get these numbers and then they can and, and they can look at it over time and over mm -hmm. time homelessness is increasing as is unsheltered homeless so the number of families that are living in cars or in parks are also increasing as opposed to those who are living in shelters um, and the number of fam like the lion's share of homeless people are you know age 25 and up so like single male single okay. females but there is a good portion of young adults, so like 16 to 24-year-olds, and then young children. Wow. And, and what about demographics, uh, Gary? Because um, me and my wife were talking about this the other day, that you don't really see a lot of Hispanics or like Asian people. Mm -hmm. It's rare that you see like a Hispanic or an Asian homeless person. And again, this might be, I, I may be totally clueless, but... There's a very strong sense of family in both of those cultures mm -hmm. and, and uh, um, intergenerational living, you know, because my grandmother lived with us clear into her uh, until she passed away. But 20 years before that, she lived with us. And, and it's not uncommon for, for uh, households of, of Hispanic descent to have like an aunt or an uncle or like a cousin stay with them, you know, that comes from. Uh, central Mexico and just wants to get a job and just lives with them. So uh, uh, the demographics have something to do with it. Do you think? Um, I, I don't, I don't have the, the, the stats in front of me, but I would say it, it's some race, some cultures and races and ethnicities are overrepresented. Uh, like for example, like um, African-American black families, I think there are a very small percentage of, of mm. the Metro Phoenix area, but they do represent a higher density of homeless. Um, I don't, I, I would say like just off the top of my head, we see majorly Caucasian and Hispanic families and of the Hispanic mm -hmm. families, I, I'm thinking they're more like third, fourth generational. Um, Got it. It's interesting, like at St. Matthew's School, a lot of the families are either undocumented or first generation, very strong family units together. Um, but if I go to a different school where it's like fourth or fifth generation, 
kind of sad to say, but the American culture is not the best. Kind of tears par- yeah. tears families apart. I would see. I wouldn't be surprised if I were to see more homelessness or near homelessness in those populations. But I don't yeah. have any any data to to yeah. just yeah. my observation. Yeah, just yeah, man, that that uh, actually I was, I was talking to to our pastor Father Keneally one time, and he was mentioning that someone told him that you know at least in the particular case of Mexicans, like we take care of our own people. So like, that's why you don't see a lot of uh, Mexicans um, on the street because what Gustavo say was like spot on. We're, we're just going to bring him in. They're going to yeah. sleep on the, yeah, somebody on the just couch. Brings you, in, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a comedian that says that, uh, and we, we had like this guy that lived with us. We didn't know who he was, but he paid for the phone bill. So we let him stay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like that cultural, um, uh, you know, joke about yeah. like living with all these people. <laughs> um, well, I think, thank you for, for doing that job. It's in, in, yeah. how do you deal with, uh, you know, all of those things that you see, um, from your faith perspective um you know there's a lot of people that are that that have a difficulty with the problem of evil and that's like one of the biggest things that stopped them from believing in a god that allows for all of these horrible things to happen that you deal with every single day so how does your faith affect the work that you do um, as a doctor that's a really good question um kind of like how I alluded to before, like a lot of the ills that I see, um, a lot of the family breakdown, um, I see that as a result of just, you know, I, I don't want to uh, just like in a, from a faith perspective, almost like our own doing, like uh, it's like a, mm-hmm. a form of sin, right? Like when, when people turn yeah. away from God and um, they turn to drugs or they, um, they break their families up due to, due to whatever reasons, domestic violence, et cetera. That I, I I can I can I can handle that a little bit better because it's like you know someone made a decision um, to do that. Whereas if I were in a hospital setting or an emergency room setting, I don't know how I would handle with seeing kids with cancer every day or um, other things where it's just like it's not you know it's not a result of a natural disaster. It's not a result of someone's decision. It's just mm-hmm. just happened and that it just yeah. happens. That I I don't know how I could do that, but like. Um, for me, my kind of like my protective thing is just, you know, that like if you, um, as much as you can, you know, in maintaining your family, you know, you know, maintaining God in your life, a lot of these social ills that I see on a day-to-day basis go away. It's not a hundred percent perfective, you know, like even in the most, you know, Catholic families, there's, there's bad things going on. That's obvious. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it also, there are still a lot of protective measures. Yeah. Because, um, like I, um, we had our, our daughter, uh, she had, um, this condition with the skin is uh, jaundice and she was at the hospital where you work and, uh, you, you were kind enough to go and, and pay us a visit when, when we were there, the, the 24 hours that Lucia was, uh, uh, admitted, uh, when she was a newborn, uh, that it's very sad to see. Like I, I went on an elevator ride with this other man, whose kid had been living in the hospital for like the last year, and I was like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like I, my kid has jaundice, and it's very, very curable. She's just gonna stay on a tanning bed 
until she works out all of the bilirubin out of her system. So it puts things in perspective uh, so, so badly because sometimes we're like, why are all these things happening to me? It's like everybody should like volunteer at uh, the children's hospital once a month yeah. just to get a little perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Like totally. I, I, you, you, sometimes I'll have a bad day, you know, uh, you know, something happens at work or at home and then I'll see a kid without any hair and I'll see his parents taking them into clinic. And I'm like, shame on me for even like feeling sorry for myself. Like imagine one day in that, in that kid's life or imagine one day in that parent's kid's life. Um, yeah. yeah it does, you're right. It does put things in perspective. And by the way, for everyone listening, make friends with a pediatrician if you have kids or in planning to have kids. <laughs> I cannot count the times that I've texted Gary or uh, asked for advice when the kids are sick or they hurt themselves. So um, please tell me that I'm not the only one that takes take, takes advantage of um, no, I think you're the only one actually. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 that, that happens. Uh, like I have, uh, all my cousins and, and, and family friends and things like that. They do that. And I, 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 I enjoy it actually, because it's, um, it's, it's another way that I could, uh, alleviate suffering of a parent because like, they're worried about a rash or a fever and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, parents, you know, like if I wasn't a pediatrician, I, I wouldn't know what to do either. And, a lot of times us parents, you know, the, the thing that you turn to is like, okay, well, the, something's going on. I'm going to go to the emergency room um, yep. and, and sit in the emergency room, waiting room for two, three hours, being exposed to coughing people. And a lot of times it's not even necessary. So if it's something that I could alleviate, I, I'm glad to. Okay. That's well, awesome. That's good. I'll meet your number, Gary. After <laughs> <we're done>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the last five years, it seems like, um, your family and my family have been growing at the same pace. And I think we have kids around the same ages. Yes. Um, how do you balance your, your career with your vocation as a father and husband uh, that, uh, I mean, I'm assuming it has some advantages because of what you just said, not that long ago. Um, but um, yeah. How, how do you do that? Uh, how demanding is it to be a doctor and balance that with your, with your vocation? It's, it's hard. I mean, um, I, I'm really fortunate that my job is an outpatient job where, you know, I, I'm literally working eight to five and I come home. Mm -hmm. um, the patient volume is, in a, is a, uh, so high that, you know, you'll, you'll talk to other doctors that work in large medical mm -hmm. systems where they're seeing 20, 30 patients. They see the patients from eight to five, they come home, they eat dinner, and then they do all their notes. Um, I'm fortunate that our, our patient volume is lower so that I can do my work at work and then come home. Um, so it's a little bit easier to balance. Um, but I do a lot of like spokesman, spokesman person work and I do a lot of advocacy work like with local government. And so it does, it, it does, there's some work that I have to do in, in the afternoon. Fortunately, my wife, uh, um, shoulders the, the big burden of that. And I try to help out as much as I can, but it's, it is really hard because there's sometimes you have to err on the side of work. And sometimes you have to err on the side of, of being the mm -hmm. dad. Um, and you can't do either, you know, exclusively. So it's really hard. No, gotcha. uh, no magic uh, lessons or ways to do it. I think. Yeah. Gotcha. And also, your wife is a doctor as yes. well, so yes, you have both of you need to like th put that into the whole equation. Which yes, I did, kudos to you too. I don't know how you guys do it, but yeah, um, yeah I was I, I was talking to a coworker the other day because we were having some 
issues at work, you know, with stuff not going a hundred percent and clients kicking things back. And I was like, okay, then we'll deal with it. You know, it's like worst that can happen is that we just, we just redo it. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have a job that I don't have to take, make those decisions, you know, that you were talking about or, or, or see everything that you are seeing on a daily basis. You know, for me, it's like, oh, it's a typo. All right. Well, no one <laughs> literally died yeah. by that, you know, but needless to say, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all in the perspective, you know, because you can be a doctor, you can be somebody that's just working from home like me, you know, and you can still have that uh, disconnect from the family, you know? So I think in every profession, you know, not, not just medical, it's, it's a balancing act any, any way you look at it. And, and like, like Walter said, you know, God bless you guys for doing the work that you do and still maintaining that family life and a Catholic one at that, which is not always easy. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, you're, you're clearly trying to raise your family in the faith because like we see you in all the functions in the church. Um, so how, what is it like in, in, in your field? It seems like science would be the prevalence of like what, what goes and religion gets like kind of like shushed and pushed to the side. Um, have you, have you, do you have opportunity to like, share your faith with, with like even your patients or your coworkers, or is it something that is kind of like, well, we don't talk about that in here. It's, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. It's, it's hard because I don't know uh, the religious background. It, it's sometimes it's a little bit easier. Like when I'm at like a, like the, the Catholic grade school, that one's easy. Cause I, the, the families are Catholic. Um, mm -hmm. But in other, in other situations, I don't know what their, what their religion is um, or, or, or even if they even have a faith. Um, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to do that. I mean, most, most parents, when they're coming in, they're expecting to get their vaccines or they're expecting to get, you know, their asthma treatment. Um, yeah. so the, unfortunately there, there really isn't, but I think, um, there's still the opportunity to, to, to show our, our faith by the way we, we talk to patients. I'm sure a lot of people have had a, st yeah. had a story of going to a doctor that was very cold and callous. that didn't really care. Um, and I, I, I hope that I'm never like that, that I can come to them with, you know, open hands and, and, and compassion. Um, I will say that when I, when I worked at Loma Linda, uh, the, the Seventh-day Adventist um, hospital, that was, you know, I, I've done rotations at Catholic hospitals. You know, I went to that, that the Jewish medical school. Um, I will say that the SDA community was very vibrant. Like, like before we would round on patients every day, we would pray. Um, and, and, and we would often ask, you know, with our patients, do you want to pray together before we start talking about your case? Um, they were, they, and I, I did not, definitely did not experience that at, at any Catholic uh, hospital. Um, it's just kind of interesting how people, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want to say brave or, or I don't know how I would put it, but it's interesting how some people are able to, to open up about their faith in a secular scenario. Um, yeah. But yeah, in, in my current capacity, there's not much room for it. Um, I suppose it's, it's probably individual, but it's really hard because you don't know if you're, you're, you know, when someone's dealing with homelessness and all the traumas, you would think that there's probably a perfect opportunity to talk about faith, but that I don't know, like, how to do that in a way. You know, I, I know medicine, I know science, um, but mm -hmm. hopefully, hopefully I'm coming across as a caring, compassionate person. Well, it's like, I think St. Francis said, right? Evangelize always, and if needed, use words. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it's like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, well, like you said, like I think compassion is like one of the um, defining traits of um, of Jesus. Um, I'm reading Heart of the Redeemer, so definitely the imitation of Christ and the heart of Christ that comes out of like because you're suffering with these people yeah. and trying to help them. Um, so in a way, even without like saying like, have you read the Bible or yeah. do you read the Bible? Um, even if you're not praying with them, um, but uh, so yeah, on 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 top of being a doctor, let's just kind of change gears a little bit. You, you're an avid hiker, and you describe yourself as a cactus hugger, mm -hmm. uh, which sounds painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what's your favorite hike in Arizona, and, and what what's your favorite thing about living in the desert? Um, I'm, one of my favorite hikes uh, would, would probably be um, the Sonoran Desert Preserve. If you take Cave Creek North and you make a left okay. on Sonoran Desert Drive, there's a little place called Apache Wash Trailhead. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite places to go just because that area hasn't been developed yet. Um, it, it will be developed, but uh, you can kind of get when you're when you're hiking there and you kind of go up the mountain, you can kind of get a sense of what Phoenix probably looked like 200 years oh, ago. Wow. Um, and yeah it's that's probably one of my favorite hikes um and I, I love you know like i've never lived in the desert before but it's it's quite beautiful especially during like sunset and, and in the mornings um yeah it's amazing and, and sort of to tie it into the faith it's like nature has always been um very revealing um of god like i you know like on my worst days when i'm like questioning my faith uh it's undeniable like when you just see a sunset or you see an ocean that like someone had to have put that there you know Yeah. Um, and, and when I turn, when I turn myself as a cactus hugger, I, I, I do mean that like, in, well, not in a literal sense, I'm not, I've never hugged a cactus, although, and I wouldn't suggest that as a doctor. Um, but I, I do, like, I feel like, uh, it's like, I'm very protective of that. because that's, that's one of my strongest links to my faith. Um, it, it really pains me when I see, you know, like, you know, rainforests knock over or species going extinct or, you know, or oceans and, and rivers being polluted. Um, it just pains me because that's like, you know my direct link to god you know or one of my direct links mm -hmm. to god um is to see that you know it's just one of the most most evident ways of seeing god's god's creation and his love for us um i, I very avid yeah. i'm a very uh, um, big fan of laudato si laudato si yeah uh, pope francis's yeah. encyclical oh pope francis's encyclical got it, yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. yeah i think it's illegal to help cactuses right I think you could put in jail for doing that. You certainly, if you pull one up, you can. That, that's, uh, you pull one up, you'll go to jail, yeah. Yep. Well, all three of us know someone that stepped on a jumping choya and had to get the prickles removed by surgery. Ouch. Um, yeah. So kids in home, don't try that. <laughs> um, okay, so... It's, you're you're a Stuche de Monerias. I think we were mentioned that uh, in the podcast before. Stuche yeah. de Monerias in Spanish is like when someone does a lot of things um, in general. Uh, but you were also in season seven of American Ninja Warrior. Um, how did that happen? Like, how did you get into like ninja training? Um, I you know I've, I I was always a fan of the show. And I, okay. you know, I was watching it and, I, and I was like, you know, I, I think I could do this. Like, I want to do this. And, and my wife's <laughs> like, these guys can't do it. Yeah. My wife's like, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, well, maybe I will. And then so I, 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 
Oh, so it was despite your wife. That's how it happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so then I, I applied and uh, I didn't get in the first time, but then the second time they accepted my application and I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. And um, I, I, you know, it was a really awakening uh, experience for me because I didn't realize it was a whole thing. Like I just thought it was a game show, but there's actually like ninja gyms and there's people who work out at ninja mm -hmm. gyms and they, they do it just like, you know, if you and I were to go to a treadmill and elliptical and lift weights for a half hour, they go to a ninja gym and do those exact obstacles. Um, and there's yeah. actually several yeah. here in, in, in Phoenix. So, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and yeah, there's one very close by where the kids wanted to take like little ninja classes. Yep. When I saw the price tag, I was like, well, let's just go into jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you climbed the bed again here. Yeah. Yeah. Climbed the bed again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really cool experience being on that show. I actually, are you guys familiar with uh, the Papal Ninja? I've heard yes. of him. Yeah, he's uh, on this, the second season that I was on Ninja Warrior, I was just kind of just hanging out in like the little you know, per participant waiting area. And this guy had this like, uh, this uniform and it, it was very clear the Roman, the Roman Catholic flag was on his, on his like jersey. And I said, he has like the Vatican flag. Right? Oh, yeah, you're right. The Vatican flag. Um, and I was like, are you Catholic? And he's like, yeah, I'm the papal ninja. And I was like, really? And, and we started talking. And uh, it was very evident that he was very versed in, in the Catholic faith. Because I think at some point, the conversation drifted to like the hypostatic union of Christ. And I was like, okay, this guy, this guy, this guy knows his stuff. Um, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Leave it at that. I will not pretend that I know what that means. I, I, yeah, and I have to Google it later. During during my 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 keynote years, I I was I think it's like how um, Christ can be both fully human and fully God, and it doesn't take away from each of those natures. Mm. But it's that's See? I probably Today said, I learned I probably said it wrong, but that that's what I recall. We'll put a, a note if there was anything that was like misrepresented in your speech. <laughs> um, so how bad did you hurt your head? Because I watched the video and uh, it seems like you go like directly against like one of the mats at the very edge of like the first uh, uh, obstacle. Yeah, that and it. Uh, I don't even know if that, that video really does it justice because I felt like I was like at least like 10, 12 feet in the air. And I was actually rotating and I, I like yeah. the, one of the biggest rules is you always maintain your, 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 your momentum as you go through the obstacle, because that's, what's carrying you through. And, uh, it was like, they call it like the, I think the laundry spinner or something. And it was three mm -hmm. of them. I made it to the second one. And then I kind of stopped with my momentum and I just flung my body. And it, it was, it was it, the fall was so bad. It actually made the highlight clip, which is why you're able to see it. Um, and it, it was like, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't laugh about it, but <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's, it's, you should laugh at it. Um, it, it hurt bad. Like, I, but I think I was on, like, I was such an adrenaline rush, you know, like, it's, yeah, you, there's like 15 cameras on you. There's like, it's at filmed at 2 AM and there's like all these people in the stands and you're all like mm. hyped up on adrenaline. I didn't feel anything until like later that night in my hotel, like the side of my face was just like on fire. My knee was like blown up um yeah so i ended up getting wow. an, a, a, like an mri my back and my 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 knee but fortunately everything was okay yeah F father gadbury did it too do you see that yes yep yeah wait really yeah they just did a really good uh documentary mini documentary on him called the making of a catholic priest it's on youtube it's really good and i i, I 
I recognized him. I started following him because we saw him on TV doing uh, Ninja Warrior. And he was actually like dressed as a priest, but with his shorts. It was yes. like the coolest thing. So we had a, yeah. a Roman collar and shorts. Yeah, yeah, dude. He had a Roman collar and everything. It, it was like it was like the short <laughs> sleeve one, but he went all out and he did pretty good too. So it was it was interesting. So there's representation in Ninja Warrior from from the Catholic standpoint. Go. Yes, and if, if, if you, I definitely recommend checking out um, the Papal Ninja Sean Bryan stand up mm-hmm. guy. Okay. I actually. Um, uh, he actually, with Doug from from Estovir, we actually got him to come out uh, to a uh, to a parish to give a talk. Um, oh, nice! Oh, nice! Yeah, so I'm hoping to reach out to him Ooh. again to do that again. But it, it, maybe it, you can invite him to the podcast. He, you know, I know, right? He, he actually, now we have an in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sure he would say yes because he he does quite a bit of a lot of like Catholic podcasts, and I just love the guy because you know, you know, in the secular world, often people who take their faith you know seriously aren't um, doing well you know like the mm-hmm. number of like you know truly catholic football players or baseball players i mean we are yeah. we're outnumbered but like Sean Bryant, he like kills it all the time he's like one of the best guys out there and it's not just like a nominal catholic like you know i i you know i was raised catholic the guy like you know you know uh, is active in his church he's like writing um, like i think he does like a uh, how to find like how to find your your, your mission in life um, like just okay. very active. Um, so yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll try to mess. Yeah. Well, there's a whole ministry around it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. He just puts Ninja warrior at the end of it. How to find your purpose as a Ninja warrior. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just as, that's just his calling card. That's awesome. Um, and then to top it all off, you're, you're a triathlete, you're an Ironman. Like when do you find time to train? Uh, five. <laughs> Five to six is uh, the golden hour for me. Um, I, I'll be honest, mm-hmm. like uh, from like 2014 to 2019, I was very active in, in triathlon. Um, now with, with four kids, uh, the, the time to train is like 5.30 to six. Um, and so training, yeah. training a half hour every day is not enough to complete an Ironman. You're looking, that's like a part-time job. You're looking at like 10 yeah. to 15 hours per week is what you need to do. And so- um, now that I think that's ship of sales for me, I don't think I could be putting that much time in. Um, because what I would do for Ironman training, I would train from like five to six, so one hour every day from Monday to Friday, and then I would have my long sessions on Saturday and Sunday where I would train for like four or five hours. Um, it's kind of wow. it's kind of hard to <laughs> to ask my wife to, to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I I ran a half marathon once, and after I finished it, I was like. Yeah, I think I think I'm done. (laughs) Nobody's chasing me. Yeah, no, it it worked. You know, it it worked well with um, with my work too, just to get the time away to like do some like very monotonous, um, yeah, slow and steady. It was it was good for me. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, taking care of the temple too, right? Yeah, it's like therapy. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, take time to process. Okay, last question. What saint or saints would you say have had the biggest influence in your life? Um, I would say the namesake of my my oldest son, Saint John Vianney. Um, I, you know, as a as a young student, um, I was always like a B student, and medical school is very competitive. You, I mean, you're looking at kids who are at the top of the class; they're getting all A's. That wasn't really me. I was I was a person that had to work pretty hard. Like if it took two hours to study for a test for an average kid, I would have to study three or four hours. Um, 
but I had a lot of motivation, a lot of passion to do good. And I, I see that a lot in St. John Vianney, you know, like he's, you know, from, from what I understand, like he almost didn't cut, make the cut uh, to be a priest in the first place. Um, mm. But, you know, he had a couple of people that, you know, felt strong for about him and, and knew that in his heart, they had a, a strong passion to help others. Um, and then when he made it, you know, like he, I mean, like you hear stories about him hearing confession for like eight, 12 hours. Um, yeah, just completely. He was a beast for sure. Yeah, just giving himself up. And I, I th that's my kind of motivation, you know, that, you know, I, 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 I'm, I didn't, I don't, I didn't blow tests away, but I feel like, um, when it comes to helping people that like, that's where I can shine where like, um, you know, maybe the, the average, you know, uh, pediatrician doesn't want to necessarily have to spend time in homeless shelters with, you know, with people that are yeah. kind of rough around the edges. Um, it's not easy working with homeless families. I mean, you get, there's some families that are dealing with some hard stuff and there's some name calling and, um, you know, like the, the typical, like respect for the doctor kind of thing, um, doesn't always happen. Um, so mm -hmm. it's kind of tough. It's kind of, can be tough from at times, but that, that for me is like my challenge. And, you know, I'm sure St. John Vianney wanted to give up hearing confessions after the sixth straight hour, but he, you know, he kept on going, you know, because people needed them. So yeah. that's kind of my motivation. That's beautiful. And why I named our first son Vianney. Nice. Nice. Well, Gary, this has been a really uh, interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It was so much fun to to talk to you today. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you for the invitation. It's uh, it's always fun to to connect with uh, good Catholic brothers. Yeah, and we should yeah. definitely uh, have you take us on that hike when the when the sun doesn't scorch you down. Yes. When it's no, it's not hiking se season right now. It can be at four o'clock in the morning, though, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, where can people find you? And is you're kind of active on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, you look me up on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm kind of boring. I just basically post about like um, like um, children's health stuff. Um, I do some advocacy around um, cannabis advertising. As you know, cannabis is mm -hmm. now legal. Um, in, in Arizona and you, you can't advertise tobacco, but you can advertise cannabis. So that's, I, to, I post about that kind of stuff and there's general pedi uh, pediatric type stuff, like what kind of baby hats or what kind of potty seats are, are good. Um, nothing very exciting. So if you have kids, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's yeah, you, you have your niche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's to, great. Uh, the, the, and the children's health fund is, um, uh, part of the, sorry, the mobile unit is part of the Children's Health Fund, is if I'm mistaken. Yes, yes. So they, uh, there's Children's Health Funds. Uh, they they kind of sponsor and uh, get programs up. So there's one in like Detroit, Miami, um, L.A., Chicago. Um, yeah, and so they're they're kind of a cool organization where they help children's hospitals um, set up uh, these mobile mobile medical units and help bridge gaps between between care for families that are experiencing homelessness. So go check them out at childrenshealthfund.org. I think there are some opportunities for donations if your heart uh, has it in you to donate to this very important cause. Um, and anything else that you want to add? Um, nothing else. Just uh, I, I encourage families just to be you know very active with their their faith life in in the community because. Um, that's one of the kind of the things I enjoy most about, you know, talking with you fellows and seeing you guys on Sundays and seeing you at religious education. It's, um, you know, the world is a cold and cruel place, but when you find people in, in the, in that are follow your same faith, it's like an extended family. 
I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people are so yeah. fractured these days. We live very busy lives, but you know, it's kind of nice to be able to come on Sunday and see your guys' faces. So I definitely encourage that. Go to church. Awesome. Yeah. The doctor said so. Yep. My prescription. <laughs> what the th- <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Go to direct.me forward slash barbatus for all the information that we have available for you. And until the next time. Later.